0: What's good, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Skates and Plates on the Hockey Podcast Network. I'm your host, Brandon Rewicki. You can follow me on Twitter at Brandon underscore Rewicki, or the podcast as well, at Skates Plates Pod. That's also the place you can direct your rage if you want. Seven straight losses, and I I don't even know where you'd rank this one amongst the rest. The Jets lose a backbreaker late in regulation, 2-1 to to the lowly Senators. We're going to break that one down and, and get into who's to blame, what went wrong. And I mean, what's to come as well? Because things are potentially about to get off the rails even more so than they have right now. And I do say we because we have a recurring guest joining the show once again for the second time stopping by. One of the young, bright minds out of is it Herzing College? Yeah, Herzing College. It's the little bro coming back to the pod. Tyson
1: Rowicki's here. Tyson, how's it going? Not too bad. Not too bad. Uh, I honestly I think I have to apologize to Jets fans because the last time I was on here, I think was that was their first loss of this losing streak. Oh my so, gosh. <laughs> so hopefully, hopefully now, now that I became back on, it'll it'll cancel it out now. And a winning streak's gonna start next. I did you're, you're the voodoo
0: child I didn't even realize that this is good this is all right well we got a little bit of positive vibes coming your way now um I actually wanted to start the show off on you know a bit of a light note and we'll get into all the the madness and and I hey I know Jets Nation is pissed off and angry right now you have every right to be but at the very least let's try to start this off with a small and a laugh here uh but I I was texting with you Tice on the weekend I just had this crazy craving, and I have no idea why. And you know I'm not a big sweets person, but I just – I needed a donut. I okay. needed a donut Saturday morning, and they opened this place up a little while ago. I mean, they have their flagship in the exchange, uh, but one just off of Taylor. Had to stop by o Donuts, and I plan on picking up one, ended up picking half a dozen. You have to i don't regret it at all as i'm touching all the fat on my stomach but they were absolutely outstanding so i just wanted to ask you
1: what's your go-to donut choice do you have one that you pick above the rest oh don't even get me started there's i'm such a big donut aficionado i just yeah all of them all donuts are just awesome i love donuts if i had to pick my favorite I'm a big caramel guy so I like salted caramel anything to do with caramel I think that's my go-to yeah I that was
0: one of the six we picked up they have a, a dolce de leche oh. with, um with some roasted almonds shaved nice and thin over the top so that one that one is that's a must get they also had I mean you know my one of my favorite desserts is cheesecake because it's you know more savory than it is dessert they had an Oreo cheesecake donut how does that even work what's yeah, that all- yeah exactly <laughs> yeah it, it, i don't know and it doesn't matter either because it's all i mean there's just it's like loaded cream cheese oreo filling with a little more up on the top so that one was just out of this world
1: i didn't know you were a donut guy i'm kind oh. of thrown off right now what, what was number to that after caramel i had uh well there was one i had one in florida one time and it was a salted it was a ba- maple bacon one i think and normally I'm not I don't really like to mix my foods like that but it was one of the best donuts I've ever had in my life probably the best well I don't know if you saw the I
0: I went with the wild card one too and I've I'd never seen this before anywhere not even in Florida Tyson they had a dill pickle dip donut oh my gosh <laughs> and I I knew it was either going to be the best or the worst thing ever and I was like what the hell I'll just try it Um, and and like when you get the donut too, it's, um, it's in the shape of like a Boston cream, you know, like there's no hole in the middle and there's like a legitimate pickle up out the middle of the top of it. (laughs) So, So like, they're not hiding it whatsoever. They, they recommended it. They said they even do like a little dill pickle chip dust everywhere. Holy. It's the truth. It's the truth. It is so now to be fair, it's more like, it tastes more like a, cream cheese bagel than it does a donut like it's not very sweet at all right so it's more of a savory thing but oh my gosh the pi- <laughs> the pickle donut is is the way of the future so if you get the chance anybody if you're a big donut fan like Tice is, head down to old donuts we'll have them on the pause sometime soon because we i i gotta find out the secrets of i mean the cheesecake and now the dill pickle one it is outstanding and it was totally worth the 8,000 calories or so that I had Saturday and Sunday. The 6 didn't even make it to Monday morning. Uh, the other thing I wanted to ask you quick here, bringing it back to the Jets a little bit, I don't know if you saw the quote from Paul Maurice. It was kind of making its way around Twitter uh, over the weekend. And, you know, I know I'm paraphrasing a bunch here, but Paul Maurice was essentially asked about how stubborn he is. Are you stubborn with your lineup choices and things like that? And he responded again, paraphrasing, "I'm only stubborn when it comes to the toppings that go on my hot dog." And he said, "I'm a mustard and onions guy," and that's about it. Now he is stubborn about his lineup. We'll get to that in just a second. But it's funny—you ask a stubborn person why they're stubborn, and they're like, "I'm not stubborn. You're stubborn." What does your hot dog look like? If you if you can put pretty much any topping on it, what's your what's your dream hot dog look like? Well, the idea for sure
1: it's gotta have fried onions. In my, in my opinion, if a hot dog doesn't have fried onions, it's not good. Just my opinion. Um, I'm not a big ketchup guy either. I agree with Paul. I do like mustard. It's gotta be it's gotta be the right mustard though. I don't I don't like I just don't like going with the generic the generic kinds. You know, I like the I do like to spice my hot dog up. Maybe a cheese slice. Uh depending on feeling, depending on how I'm feeling, maybe even a pickle, maybe even a pickle. I like I like some I like some peppers too, sauerkraut. You know I, I like to mix it up. What well, I, I can't even I'm getting so excited talking about hot dogs. No, you're, a you're getting
0: all no worked up, Tyson. <laughs> it's okay. It's just a hot dog, man. What the? I know – So fried onion, cheese, pickle. <laughs> well, yeah. What do you mean? Yeah, like that. it's like a normal thing. I, <laughs> that I had I did not expect that from you. I I mean I know. You're not the biggest mustard fan in the world, which is my palate's
1: evolving a little bit.
0: That's fair. You are pretty young. You're you're still a young, Buck. So that the palate's slowly coming around. And, and you like it's funny because I'm I'm of the belief that you know what if you like something you shouldn't be ashamed of it, right? Like don't don't let everybody guilt trip you into into not liking what you actually enjoy. Now, having said that, you know I'm not a ketchup guy on the hot dog either. To to me, it's redundant because I like relish on a hot dog. And yeah. If you have relish, like if you add in ketchup on top of that, it's just too much sweetness. So I, for me, it's mustard, relish, onion that that has to be on a hot dog no matter what. I'm cool with sauerkraut, peppers, cheese is an underrated hot dog topping in my opinion. Yeah, or even a smoky with cheese in the middle. Ooh. Yes, I'm listening. I like <laughs> where this is going. Yeah, I, I've always been a fan of like whistle dogs too. I guess right. They got to bring cool. those back. Oh. I'm so mad! A and W got rid of those. We got you. Got you. Got to get the AW W guy on the podcast and <laughs> and give him a stern talking to. I like. I like how he's just the A and W guy. Like he doesn't even have a name. Poor guy. Like he's one of the most recognizable faces in Canada. It's like, who, yeah, it's the AW W guy. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, enough food talk. That was fun though. Ho- hopefully, we put a smile on your faces before we get into whatever the hell that was and and what has been. In this last seven games for the Winnipeg Jets, the two to one loss to the Senators. Let's break it down here, Tyson, and let's just start off with what you saw in the game. What, what stood out to you? What's the first thing that kind of pops in your head when you uh, go back to that two one Jets loss in Ottawa?
1: Well, they definitely played. They definitely played a hockey game in Ottawa. It wasn't the most wasn't the most exciting game. Not too much that happened. A lot of the things that are happening with the Jets right now, I think it's very concerning. I don't know where you go from here. There's just so there's really right now during this losing streak, there's just been so many issues from the defense all the way up to all the way up to the forwards. And today, like I thought, I thought the third line, like Lowry, Lowry, Appleton, Coppell played a really good game. I thought they were hard on the puck. And other than that, I just don't think they, they generated much. And then of course, the over six on the power play, like, yeah, they had their chances, but, you got to score one against Ottawa.
0: Yeah, totally. And, you know, I was wondering where you were going with that. They played a game. I'm like, oh, God, Tyson, that's your analysis. But you're you're right. Like, you look at the shot clock and it looks like it looks like the Jets did a solid job there. Right. But I mean, how many of those were point shots? How many of those and Gustafson played good and, and he made a couple of really nice stops. But I mean, the Jets didn't generate a whole ton. I think the best word or what comes to mind for me is just uninspiring, right? Like what they did offensively was uninspiring. There wasn't a whole lot of creativity. You know, when, when you think of the Winnipeg jets, you think, you know, high flying offense and skill and where was it, right? Like it just, there wasn't a whole lot of that coming out for the jets. And I know Nick Ehlers is out and that's obviously a huge part in why they've lost seven straight, but at the same time, it is the Ottawa senators and I get they're a plucky bunch right now, but, to, to score one goal and have that one goal come later on in the third period. It's its just not good enough right now. And, you know, I, I tweeted this out after the game. And you touched on it as well there. The Jets haven't quit, right? Like, that's kind of the, the cardinal sin and, and what you hate to see and you hope not to see during a losing streak. Like, they're playing hard. It's not a lack of effort that they're losing these games. But I don't think we've seen anything when it comes to answers from the coaching staff no and some of this goes on the players no doubt about it some of this goes on the gm too for the spot that you know the, the coach can only play the players that he's given to an extent but nothing has changed absolutely nothing of value has changed for the winnipeg jets when it comes to their lineup decision when it comes to their style of play when it comes to how they attack Everything that the coaching staff is supposed to do to put this team in advantageous positions to win hockey games to get them out of this rut that they're on right now. We've seen Zippo from that. And I, I do wonder, I do wonder what's up next for Paul Maurice and the rest of the staff moving forward here because I, I don't know. Are we gonna see any changes moving forward here? We've seen when they've when they've gotten into this losing streak that they just kind of stick with what's gotten them there to this point, and that is that's just not going to cut it. And I know Jets fans are are sick and tired of seeing the same old, same old trotted out there night after night, expecting
1: for a different result. I know we talked about it the last time I was on, but Dubois, I don't know. Like at this point, I almost think you have to put him on his own line, like on the third line, put him away from Stasny and maybe focus on getting everyone else going because he's just he's just not there right now. Yeah, you uh you weren't a big fan of Dubois
0: game and I don't disagree with you either. I mean, I, I don't think it's the the biggest problem with the Jets right now, but it Absolutely. is a problem. It it's a problem, and it would help if if he got back to the guy that he was. But I mean it's we've been waiting, what is it now, 40 games he's been here in Winnipeg, and it might just be one of those things where you you hope you get the guy that you traded for in time for next season. Like I don't know if we're gonna see the best of Pierre-Luc Dubois right now. And, you know, unfortunately, we're 40 games into his tenure here, and and we still don't know where the best spot in the lineup is for Pierre-Luc Dubois, as well as who his best line mates could be.
1: Like we said, it's concer- It's very concerning, especially going into the playoffs. And even if you look in the first period, there was a lot of times where the Senators missed out on odd man rushes. Like, I think I I, I counted three or four where they missed, missed odd man rush just because the D-man couldn't make a pass. And once they start getting to the playoffs against better teams, a team like Toronto, if they get those chances, they're going to kill you. Toronto and Edmonton, will kill you all all night long if they get those chances. Yeah, and they have. (laughs) (laughs) They did especially has killed Winnipeg
0: all season long. Let's go to the final goal because lost in everything is the Jets were 100 seconds away from earning at least a point and, and maybe a shred of positivity going into their next game wednesday night and we've seen this time and time again from this team for a number of years where they're tied in regulation and they fail to get even a point going into ot
1: what did you see who's to blame what was your breakdown on that last goal tice uh my breakdown was there was a complete breakdown on the ice <laughs> yeah, there's just there's just so there's no wainers covering their d-man you know, you have Stanley doing a fly-by block. Screens Broussois. There's no reason to, to go fly out there and try and block that. It's a nothing shot. Brassois should stop that with no screen. But with the screen, can't see it. Not going to stop it. Not getting pucks out. It's not. It's just simple things that they're just not doing. It was such a preventable play, right?
0: Yeah. Starting with, and uh, you know, I, I think he should be in the lineup still, especially over over Ben. I mean, the Vili Hainal thing is a totally different story. I mean, the coaching staff just clearly isn't going to give him much of a chance to get in. But Logan Stanley wears the goat horns on that play. I mean, he yeah. fails to get the puck out. Yeah, it takes a bit of a weird deflection, but that that should be a a relatively easy clear out of the zone. Then he gets beat down low, and then he kind of gets all like, – you just see it. He just It's a complete and utter meltdown from that point. He kind of just loses his head gives the coaching staff a bit of a break as to why they've sheltered him on the third pair for so long this season. You know, that might be exhibit A of why that is. Forbert's kind of all over. You know, Adam Lowry's the guy that's trying to get to the point on the Zaitsev shot, and he's just unable to get there in time. And you said it there again, the final of three or four absolute gaffes by Logan Stanley. There ends with him trying to block the shot. And this is something that's bothered me for as long as i can remember but if you're a defenseman in that situation know where you are on the ice right for sure you said it lauren berçoise is going to stop that puck basically 99 times out of 100 the only thing that's going to prevent him from stopping that puck is a screen right in front of him and that's what logan stanley did so either block the shot or get the hell out of the way the goalie's paid to stop the puck allow him the best chance to do that so you know, it's it's one of those really, really aggravating things because the Jets blow these games late. It's a new thing that pops up each and every time. Unfortunately for Winnipeg, it was what's been a bright spot for them this season and Logan Stanley just having an absolute rough go for about 30 seconds. The one change Paul Maurice made during the game, it's kind of the trickle-down effect and I think why he's avoided it for so long. But we saw Morrissey and Pionk, they've kind of been paired together in the third period at times when the Jets are trailing this season. That happened again last night, and, and they were outstanding together. Don't get me wrong. They, I mean, hey, that was the reason they scored their only goal of the game. And Josh Morrissey probably could have had four or five others. Yeah. It was a hell of a game from him. He just absolutely no luck for him whatsoever. But the drawback of playing Morrissey Pyong together is the rest of the lineup is frightening on the blue yeah. line, right? Like I either you're doing forbert pullman or DeMelo Stanley gets moved. Like, either way, everything becomes such a jumble that I don't really blame Paul Maurice and Charlie Huddy for, you know, trying to put Pionk and, and Morrissey out there together for an extended period of time because the rest of the lineup suffers so much. Having said that, though, to me, it's pretty evident that Josh Morrissey needs a puck mover beside him. There's one, and he might just be the damn well best one in the entire organization that's been in the press box for two months. You know, to me, it's it's further evidence that Billy Hanola either needs to get into the lineup and play beside Josh Morrissey or you put Dylan DeMello beside Josh Morrissey and, and give him,
1: you know, a little bit more puck moving capability beside him. On a seven game losing streak, you got to try different things. And I'm so shocked that they haven't even given Hainola a game. I know it's different situations with Ottawa, but a guy like Eric Brandstrom he's a little bit little bit smaller than than Hanola but they're similar similar build similar play style and Hanola to me is almost light years ahead of Brandstrom at this point in their development if you watch the two play i would i would rather ha- take Hanola right now than Brandstrom for sure yeah. and Brandstrom's a stud like he's yeah. he's going to be a hell of a player to come
0: hey, hey, sure. and, and each of the games the the Senators have played the Jets when he's been in the lineup he's been a standout guy for sure it, I I agree. And I, I think a lot of chess fans agree too. I don't really get the reasoning. I, I don't get why. And, and throughout this entire losing streak, this has been the case. And this has been, to me, the biggest indictment on the coaching staff is you you need to switch something up. And then what happens? You go back to Connor Shifley Wheeler up front. That line hasn't been good in three damn years. <laughs> Exactly three years, and, and you keep going back to them. I, I don't even believe the players at this point. Like they've they've given you enough evidence to go away from that. Yet yeah, the coaching staff continuously reunites those three and hoping for I I don't know. I guess some magic to come out of nowhere, and, and we just haven't seen enough of that since they've been put back together again. And then the blue line has stayed the exact same basically since what game five of the regular season. Like there's been almost. No changes there. To me, Tice. This looks like a club that could use a little bit of brash youthfulness. You know what I mean? For Throw sure. the kid in there for a bit and and just let him sink or swim, right? What's the worst that can happen? You drop an eighth game in a row. <laughs> right. Right? Like I, yeah. I would just I would love to, and maybe Ville Handel gets a shot, you know, after the game Logan Stanley had, to be honest. But you know, moving forward here, big game against Calgary coming up. What kind of changes to the lineup, either the forwards or the defense, would you like to see? What should Paul Maurice and the coaching staff do in terms of the deployment of their skaters? How should they look
1: when they suit up against Calgary? Well, I I, guess, I think you got to break up that top line. You need to spread because that trickle down effect, that second line, I couldn't even tell you that they played today. They were just invisible out there. I the, the they, that second line really needs one of those three guys to help drive play cuz right now but Dubois struggling, there's just no one on that line that can really do it. Obviously, if it was me, I would put the in, but we know that's not going to happen. Basically, they need Ehlers back. <laughs> yeah, I mean, and when you're talking, I mean, we've spent
0: enough time on the the blue line, and it's pretty obvious that we want to see some changes happen there. But when you look up front to me, yeah, wheel Wheeler, Connor, it, it doesn't work. They, they weren't all that noticeable in this game. I wouldn't mind seeing... Look, there's not a great spot for Pierre-Luc Dubois right now. I wouldn't mind seeing him jump up on the wing and join Mark Shifley. Yeah. And, I mean, at that point, you'd, you'd put Stasny in the middle, maybe Stasny, pro Wheeler, and you'd have Shifley, Connor, Dubois, something like that. I wouldn't mind seeing that, giving that a bit of a run. But, yeah, I, I just don't know if we've seen enough from Dubois down the middle to to look at that and say, yeah, that's penciled in. We're going to keep rolling with him at center you know, for the last couple of games of the season, maybe switching him out there on the wing, you know, as a forward, you can kind of shut your brain off and and just worry about your half of the ice on the wall. Maybe that's the best spot for him right now. And then you put Blake Wheeler down to the second line, reduce some of his minutes instead of playing him, you know, close to 20 minutes a night. I think that might be the best way to go heading into the final five games of the season.
1: Uh, I wanted to ask you, how hot do you think Paul Maurice's seat is right now?
0: How hot is Paul Maurice's seat? Well, that's a twofold answer for me. One, they're not going to fire him with five games to go in the regular season. Right. If if anybody's wondering that, I mean, there's no reason to even think about it happening. It's just, it's, you know, I I thought Hustler said it best on on Winnipeg Sports Talk. Kevin Chevaldeoff is not pulling a Lou Lamorello and coming down from the GM's box to coach the team for the final, you know, however many games are left in the season, right? You're, and you're not going to put Huddy or, you know, Pascal Vincent from the Moose. He's not coming up, right? Like, right. It's, just, it's it's ludicrous at this point of the season to let your head coach go and, and basically have no answer. Oh, totally. But how hot is his seat? It is liquid hot magma. <laughs> it is Vesuvius getting ready to erupt here. I, I mean, it's I thought Paul Maurice had the hottest seat in the NHL coming into the season. And we've actually seen, what is it, two or three coaches get canned so far? Yeah. I think there might even be more. Yeah, may, maybe even more. It really is getting to the point where it's hard to envision a scenario where Paul Maurice comes back next season. It does feel to me like this is... And hey, look, as as Flyers fans, we've seen more than enough coaching tenures come to an end. We're kind of experts on on what a team looks like right. in the final couple <laughs> games of... Of a head coach's run with a club. So, you know, you're you're talking with a couple of pros here. But I touched on it earlier on in the segment. The Jets look like they don't have a whole lot of answers. Barring some kind of miraculous playoff run. I think the coaching staff should see significant changes going into next season. And I think the coaching staff will be changed significantly next season.
1: Barring at least one playoff victory. Whether it's against Edmonton or Toronto. You know, Paul Maurice has been around a long time, and when you just coach a team for too long, it's just the nature of the game. Guys start to tune you out. It's just the cycle of being an NHL coach.
0: Yeah, and- you know what? That's Let's just pull it up here quickly. And, and this is kind of crazy as well, that Paul Maurice is the second-longest tenured coach in the NHL. The I mean, entire NHL. The one guy ahead of him is coming off a Stanley Cup win, and that's John Cooper with the Lightning, who has been, you know, running basically the best team in the NHL for, what, five, six years running now? Just after Paul Maurice on that list is John Tortorella, and I think we're seeing the same thing in Columbus right now where Torts has run, I mean, it it looks like the Blue Jackets have completely tuned him out, right? And so there's basically no way Torts comes back next season. Then you have Mike Sullivan out there in Pittsburgh, Again, two Stanley Cup reigns with him. And, and the Penguins are, are playing pretty good hockey right now. And, you know, they might be in the mix for another deep playoff run with the Pens. Well, and even and Sullivan,
1: that, though, Sullivan, though, too, he coming into the season, he was probably one of the coaches most likely to be fired.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I mean, it, it took, you know, a pretty impressive run from him to have him still maintained behind the bench there. Yeah. But after those guys that we mentioned... You're talking about Jared Bednar, 2016, he was hired, and then a a couple of guys that were hired in 2017. So, I mean, realistically, the average head coach of the NHL lasts about three to four years. The fact that Paul Maurice has been behind the bench for seven years running right now is a hell of a run. It it really is. It's just that, like you touched on, Tice, Sometimes these things come to an end and you almost need to make a change for the sake of, of making a change. You know what I mean? It's not necessarily that he's a bad head coach. I don't think that's the case. I also don't think Paul Maurice is one of the best coaches in the NHL, but it does look and feel to me like, you know, there's just, there's just not a lot that's coming out of this losing streak that makes you think, you know what? They're close to turning the corner here. They're they're close to making a run this year and, and potentially, making a run in the years to come. So I I think we are starting to see the beginning of the end of Paul Maurice's, of the Paul Maurice era in Winnipeg here as a head coach. I would like to say quickly that I I would love to see him stick around with the organization, maybe in an advisor role, or or I I don't know what it may be something along those lines, because he is a great, great ambassador for the city of Winnipeg and and for a, a team that, you know, there's only a handful of other cities in the NHL that have to deal with the difficulties of being in such a small market. He's done tremendous work in the community and across the league in terms of making Winnipeg, you know, a, a destination that players and executives and other coaches actually want to come to. It's a tough job. He's done a great job in that facet. But I think I think we're both in agreement here that, yeah, it's probably time for change.
1: One, one other thing I wanted to say is what do you think – so with the way the, the deadline unfolded, obviously not doing much besides the Jordy Ben trade. Do you think the sense in the organization is that we dodged a bullet or we messed up? We should have added when we had the chance.
0: Yeah, I don't think anything's changed, honestly. Kevin Chevalier had a pretty clear mindset going into the trade deadline. And that was if a deal was there and the price wasn't exorbitant, we're going to act like he wanted to be aggressive. And I still think that would have been the right move, right? Like, if you could have got Jamie Alexiak, for example, for, I don't know, a second, a third, and a prospect, something like that, I, I would have been okay with that. And we would yeah. have seen the Jets. They they wouldn't have challenged Toronto for top spot. They wouldn't have been the best team in the division either, but they would have been more solid, right? But I also think that Kevin Sheveldayev wasn't going to mortgage the farm for a right. team that is realistically more than just one one solid addition away, right? Like there needs to be, I mean, one big time addition on the blue line or two pretty solid moves to be made there before this team enters the elite of the elite in the NHL. I also don't buy, and I think this is a whole bunch of bull crap for anybody that thinks this, that because the Jets didn't make a move at the deadline, that, you know, they basically quit on their season. The players are like, oh, if you don't believe in us, you know, why should we give full... Players just they they really really don't think that way. If anything, it's the GM saying, I have faith in you guys that you know we can get the job done here. Players are pros. They're gonna they're gonna perform one way or the other here. I, I just think there's been a number of other circumstances. Realistically, this losing streak is kind of exposing the Jets for who they really are, right? A flawed right. team that is extremely skilled up front with insane goaltending but when they're not getting insane goaltending they're not going to win a whole lot of hockey games right let's close out the show here tice with a bit of a positive note something actually fun that's (laughs) happened in winnipeg professional hockey over the last week and the the last month or so but first before we get to that you know basketball season isn't going to be around forever so you know what why not try and win some cash right now get in on all the action with DraftKings, the leader in one-day fantasy sports. DraftKings is also giving new players a free shot at millions of dollars right now in total prizes when you use code THPN during sign-up. Playing daily fantasy basketball is super simple, like we've touched on. You pick your lineup, you stay under the salary cap, check out how your team stacks up against the competition, and you might make a couple bucks along the way. For baseball fans, if you missed out on season-long fantasy, Why not get it on daily fantasy action? DraftKings has ways to make it rain there, as well as hockey and a bunch of other sports as well. And payday comes every day for players on DraftKings. So what are you waiting for? Head to the app right now. Download that DraftKings app now and use code THPN during sign-up. This week, DraftKings is putting you in the action with a free shot at millions of dollars in total prizes. Again, that's code THPN and you can get a free shot at millions of dollars in total prizes only at DraftKings minimum $5 deposit required eligibility restrictions apply see draftkings.com for details welcome to the f-ing show tyson how'd you like that read <laughs> hopefully yeah. they're teaching you that at herzing college because that's that's how the pros nail out a read yeah, well i'm trying yeah. <laughs> yeah that's what I'm in school for I don't know what you want from me <laughs> speaking of bright and up and coming prospects probably the best thing that's happened in Winnipeg this past month has been Cole Perfetti and for those that maybe missed it earlier on Cole Perfetti has been named AHL rookie of the month 13 points for him in the month of April Outstanding work for him. He's almost at a point of game right now. I think he's fourth in the entire AHL and rookie scoring. It really is crazy that Cole Perfetti at just over 18 years of age is basically a point of game in the AHL Tyson. I got to go let my dog in quickly, but just what have you seen from Cole Perfetti this season? And I mean, what's to come from the kid? It, It seems like he's destined for an NHL
1: job as soon as next season. Well, Chevy is definitely thanking all the other GMs that pass on him. He is counting his blessings because Cole Perfetti is definitely the real deal. He is so skilled and so cerebral on the ice. The Jets have a bright future for sure with him in their top six. And, you know, hopefully they can just get a couple more pieces to build around that, that young Coro Panola and, and Perfetti and Sandberg. And it could be on the verge of something really special once again in Winnipeg.
0: Yeah, Profetti Hainola is kick-ass. That's awesome. Sorry if you can hear my dog with his bone on the ground right now. Ghost Bears, just, it's all about him all the time. Um, <laughs> but it's really, really hard not to get. I, I know this season, the end of the season has been brutal. But if you can just push that aside, Jets Nation, it really is exciting that next year, Billy Hainola and Cole Profetti pretty much have to be full-time NHLers. And I wonder, I mean, I I don't know how high the Jets organization is on Cole Perfetti. Obviously, they're extremely high on him. But, like, are we talking top six next season? You know what I mean? Like, he's just been so damn impressive. There's not a whole lot of, you know, track record to look back on when it comes to 18, 19-year-olds in the AHL producing at the rate that he is. But I don't think I would go this far. But what do you think of this, Tyson? You want a bit of a youthful spark into the lineup. Would you put Cole Perfetti? Would you call him up with the big club right now?
1: Well, my thinking is, yeah, for sure. I Because uh, you look at even today, like uh, last night, Vegas, they played Peyton, Krebs, uh, in Peyton Fr-
0: Krebs. Yeah, Peyton Krebs, for those that don't know, Winnipeg Ice Captain
1: making his NHL debut right now, actually. I'll, I'll yeah. check quickly what what the kid is doing, but go ahead. yeah, oh, He had an assist in the first period already, and that's the kind of spark that can bring a team in. You look at Vegas, they've since they've been in the league, they've constantly been one of the top teams and they seem to be doing things the right way. Let's see what they, they want to see what they have in the kid right now. Because if he's if he's awesome and he can play, you just got another top nine forward out out of nowhere for the playoff run.
0: I, I gotta apologize, Tyson. I kinda baited you in there on that one. I wouldn't call Cole Perfetti up right <laughs> now. <laughs> I I just wanted to see what you'd say. You know what? And it's not it's nothing about the kid. I mean, do you want to throw him in right now for his first NHL action in this situation? I'm I'm not so sure that's the best spot and then and then right. you get into where do you put him in the lineup and all that? I mean, maybe if a big big name goes down by injury, you know, knock on wood, let's hope that doesn't happen. Maybe then you kind of catapult him right up there and and give him a shot with the whoever it may be, but I, I think it's cool to just let him you know, somewhat run roughshod over the AHL right now and just enjoy your pro season that way. Peyton Krebs, by the way, had one assist in a nine minutes of action in his NHL debut, so that's pretty awesome. Good to see. Shout out Winnipeg Ice and, and way to go Peyton Krebs. But it's not going to be too far away that we see Cole Perfetti eventually make his NHL debut. And once he's here, I can't imagine that the kid isn't here to stay. And I'll tell you what, too, going into next season, the Winnipeg Jets are going to be pretty happy that they have both he and Vili Hanela potentially Dylan Sandberg as well, all on ELCs, because the cap's gonna be pretty tight. Blake Wheeler's eight plus million dollar cap is isn't going down while his age goes up anytime soon. And they're gonna need all the savings they can get, especially if they want to grab a defenseman that's you know commanding a pretty hefty price tag and you know, having three, four, five ELCs and and those guys contributing at high levels is is certainly going to help.
1: All right. Well, I guess that does it, Tyson. Hopefully, I started the the losing streak and hopefully uh, I end it. (laughs) Well, good God. Let's hope so. And I'll tell you
0: what, if if the Jets do end up beating Calgary on Wednesday night, you're probably going to have to be a regular moving forward, okay? (laughs) Hey, no no complaints there on my part. Yeah, (laughs) you, you just might be Winnipeg's good luck charm. One last thing, actually, before you go, Tyson, and and everybody that's listening here. This week is one of the best weeks in the entire year here in Winnipeg. Do you know what I'm talking about? Oh, yeah. I've already seen some of the pictures on Instagram. Okay, so Tyson knows what I'm talking about. La Pizza Week. We have La Burger Week right in the heart of the summer. La Pizza Week has kicked off here in Winnipeg and in Manitoba as well, the surrounding areas here. And there are some absolute beauty contenders uh, for everybody. I mean, look, there's really – there's always a good reason to grab a pie at any time. But when you can support local and grab a tasty slice or two, why not make it happen the rest of this week? And then Diet can start you know, May 7th, May 8th, something like that. Um, But some of the friends we've had on the show, they're throwing out great pies this week. Wall Street Slice, Red Ember. Uh, what's the new location? Main Street Slice. Sorry, Main Street Slice. All three of those have outstanding contenders. Tommy's. Have you seen Tommy's pizzas?
1: Yeah, that one looks insane.
0: We don't have favorites here on the show. But having said that, <laughs> Tommy's has gone completely off the wall. It's this maple. I mean, they've got maple bacon, which no complaints here. But what is it like maple whipped
1: ricotta in a maple glaze? Yeah, they and they, and they got a. Uh- apples poached in brown sugar and some and i and people are gonna like they're gonna be like oh that's that's disgusting apples on a pizza do not knock it until you try it i honestly think one of the best pizzas i've ever had had pears on it and and i don't like pineapple but if you're putting a fruit on pizza it's got to be apples or or pears if you don't like pears or apples on pizza first shut
0: up Secondly, go down to Tommy's and give it a try. That's a good pizza take, actually. I'm I'm down with that. I actually like grilled peaches on pizza, too. That yeah. could work. Basically, yeah. if you grill a fruit or whatever Tommy's is doing with their maple pie, it could work. But you just need lots of salty, spicy ingredients to go with it. Sure. So Fruit works, but you need salt and spice to go along with it. But check out what Tommy's got cooking there. Grab that pie. I, I don't know how long. That's a limited time offer. I can't imagine they put that much work. 365 days a year into that pie it is stacked too i saw a picture of that one oh my gosh yeah i'm making the walk down there so make sure you check out tommy's all the great pies grab one each day of the rest of the week and who knows maybe a pie for wednesday night that's the slump buster that gets the jets out of the rut that they're in so big shout out to everybody participating in la pizza week and like i said go help out your local restaurants great food great people they certainly need it right now with the lockdown that we're in. So just try to find a way, if you can, to get out there, grab something, take out, and, and help some good people in the process. Like I said, that's it for the episode here, Tyson. Thanks so much for joining. You, you killed it again. Good job, buddy. Our next episode's coming up this Friday. We've got another food interview for you guys on tap. Two Hands Winnipeg. Have you heard of that? Probably not. They're. A little bit of a new phenomenon but they've got some pop-ups some catering a great story too coming all the way over from jolly old england in london so we'll get into their story and they're cooking up some great food as well that's coming up friday we'll also break down just one game it looks like yep just the jets flames matchup in calgary on wednesday night we'll break that one down for you guys as well but until then thank you so much for listening to another episode of Skates and Plates on the Hockey Podcast Network. I'm your host, Brandon Rewicki. Again, you can follow me on Twitter at Brandon underscore Rewicki. Until Friday, peace.